Hi guys, welcome back to the Stick My Sessions podcast. This episode sees me chat with Amani W.J. Wright, who is an artist, a songwriter, live performer. He owns and runs his own brand. He writes live reviews here at Stereo Stickman and also for a couple of other websites and publications. Um, he's essentially the epitome of a hardworking, driven creative today. Um, his experiences offer plenty of proof that if you do persist and keep moving forwards, take opportunity when it comes, then you will start to see the results that you dream of. Um, he's recently performed at So Far Sounds, he's given a TED talk, he's also supported some pretty big names on big stages and things are rightfully starting to snowball for him. So it was fantastic to be able to just chat about all this and get some real insight as to how he keeps things evolving and how he stays positive and motivated to work so hard. So a massive thank you to Amani for stopping by for the chat. I hope you guys get something out of this, I'm sure you will. Um, thank you for tuning in again and uh, yeah, enjoy. Um, so just to give a bit of background, basically, when did you uh, start your journey in the music world and how would you describe yourself like at the moment within the industry? Yeah, that's always a long question for me because um, I started music when I was about three years old at the Peabody Institute in downtown Baltimore. Um, but I didn't write my first song until I was about seven years old. I didn't perform that song until I was like 10 years old at Suburb Magnet Middle School. Um, <laughs> how do I describe myself currently in the, in the industry? I would say um, I'm kind of like at a, at a midway point. You know, I still, I'm not just beginning and I still have a, a good amount of popularity and we're performing and whatnot, but I still haven't hit the masses at the level in which I want to. So, you know, we're kind of in like that middle kind of like uh uh, if this was human development, I guess like preteen stage. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. Um, so you wrote your first yeah. song when you were seven. Blimey, seven years old. Yeah, you... it's called "Cries to the Heavens." Wow. Do you have you do you still have it like a, a recording of it? You know, it's so funny. That's one song I never actually like recorded in a studio. Um, and I still say to myself all the time, like, "Yo, you got to get in the studio and actually record that song." Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you listen to the group Ween, but Claude Coleman Jr., who's the drummer for the group Ween, he um we're we're pretty close and he's like working on some guitar licks for it. So hopefully we get it in the studio pretty soon. Oh, that's cool. That's really yeah. cool. So, um how did you how do you write songs then? Well, I, I guess it's probably different when you wrote one when you were seven, but how do you generally get started when you write something new now? <laughs> <laughs> um you know, the writing process is always funny for me because um Sometimes things directly inspire uh, a song that I'm doing. Sometimes it's just a character that I'm putting on. But the sure. writing process is typically uh, not really... I don't, I don't really write anymore. And that's like a secret I was kind of keeping in for a long time, but I'm letting it out here today. I don't really write, man. Half of the time I just come up with a chorus. And yeah. I pick a couple words that I want to use here and there. And I just go into the booth and just, and just kick it. Yeah. Oh, I think I you get the most organic sound that way. Yeah. You just kind of freestyle it in the moment. Kind of. You know, but I kind of have a concept and I and I already have already have my hook written. My, I, mm. I write my hooks prior because that's kind of like the I mean it's the hook, you know what I mean? Yeah, gotta, yeah. You yeah. gotta have a hook down, you know. So I yeah, write the hook. Sure. Yeah, and um I have like a couple like key words I know I want to use throughout the song. But from okay. there to kind of yeah, you know what I mean? Like from there to kind of keep away from a generic and kind of like uh pre um determined sound i kind of just give it a little freeway no I, recording yeah i think that's great yeah you get something a bit more genuine um i'm pretty yeah. sure i heard li that little wayne does that as well in a recent interview he said yeah wayne i don't think wayne writes anything at all yeah <laughs> and has trouble yeah. rem remembering his uh his lyrics as well for the same reason right yeah <laughs> no that's cool um so was most recently you've just released i think a video was it was home the last thing that you put out yes home was the last video yes okay cool so what does that was that an in the moment thing or did you write that man home was the most in the moment song i've ever done in my entire life so my friend luke and i he's the guy that directed the video lukey lens uh we were supposed to go out <laughs> to get some sushi with like two friends of ours um and 
I was getting ready to leave the house, and then uh, the producer, I heard the producer's track, and I was like, yo, this is, this is crazy. Like, I got I to gotta record on this right now. And I was looking for something that was a little more upbeat and a little more, like, commercial-ish, because I was kind of, like, on an acoustic wave, and I was, like, doing, <laughs> I was, like, doing kind of abstract stuff, right? Yeah. So I was like, let me kind of do something that's a little more, like, on the commercial side of things, but still my style, you know? So I was like, Luke, I was like, bro, hold up, man. I'm ready to leave. Just give me like a little bit of time to record this real quick. And I kept like messing up, messing up, messing up. Not even messing up necessarily. It just wasn't the sound I wanted. So I tried again. And the last time I recorded it, I recorded the whole song in like three minutes. And I mixed and mastered it. and I was like, yo, I think this is going to be pretty popular. I was like, believe me. I said, we're probably going to be late for sushi. And they probably already left the restaurant. But believe me, it was all worth it. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, I think it just hit like 50,000 streams a couple of days ago on YouTube. So yes, yeah, doing amazingly. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's been moving pretty well. And what, how have you pushed that? Like, where, what have you done in the way of um, promotion and stuff? Honestly, um, just just trying to get it played at like college parties um getting it uh in different publications uh across the world really yeah uh, publication in new york publication in canada um baltimore times have written about me uh and honestly this is the i mean it's been a lot of just organic growth <laughs> yeah which is beautiful um you know i've read i've ran a lot of different advertisements on my on my instagram on my Facebook, my dad has, my sister has, you know, so just getting everybody to push and, and spread the word, you know, so. Yeah, so it's like a combination of putting in the work and obviously it being a great track as well. That's that's kind of the magic formula, I guess. It's funny because it's so hard to really kind of come up with a formula for this type of thing, you know, yeah. even when it comes to yourself because, like, my song Consistency it has a lot of shazams because it's played a lot on the radio and i think like birmingham england is the number one place it's played That's cool. but it doesn't have a lot of yeah it doesn't have a lot of like youtube streams right so it's just kind of like i'm just trying to figure out what is what is the move man what is what what is it really to do because even with my own music i try to figure out hmm. what's the right push i mean obviously when you get to a certain level your name is the push like if you're at a level of like kendrick or a level of you know like chris stapleton or people on that level your name is just a push you know yeah but you, you can know, put it on but I'm trying, you know but bef- exactly but you know before that how do we get there i think it's just having good quality stuff yeah. having having a a realistic relationship with you and yourself like literally you and your music have to have a realistic relationship like is this really good music? You know, sometimes you get caught up in, you know, you can get caught up in your own sound because, you know, your music is your baby, right? So, <laughs> so you know, you get caught up in your own sound, man. You might not really realize that the public might not receive this too well because maybe it doesn't sound as good as you think. So, you know, as long as you're realistic with yourself and you you look at your music objectively and you put in that that work Sometimes you even got put in some money, <laughs> you know, it's just the real, it's yeah. just the, it's just the way things go, you know, and um, you, you'll be all right. right. That's a, yeah, really good attitude. I like that. Um, where, so you, are you, you're based in Baltimore at the minute. Is that right? Yeah. Baltimore, a little bit of Pennsylvania, but yeah, okay. Baltimore for the most part. So what's the live music scene like there? And is it something that you're involved with? Yeah, the, the the music scene down here is so you gotta understand like we're so we're so close to DC, right? Okay. So, you know, the capital of the US, man. I mean, as everyone mm-hmm. knows, so it's like <laughs> uh the music scene down here, how do I say it? It's that's that's I love that question actually. It's a lot of it's a lot of people down here who are really into hip hop, and it's a lot of people down here who are supportive of a lot of different types of music. And yeah. there's really so many different places down in Baltimore that you can perform, like uh, Bolton Hill, uh, uh, Peace in a Cup of Joe. So like a lot of little startup places for artists that might not feel comfortable to take on a big stage yet or don't have the ability or the opportunity to. 
So I can tell you for a fact, man, if you're like a, a young artist or a just or artist just getting started in Baltimore, there's a lot of places for you to start performing. And uh, okay. I think that's one that's one part that I love about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's really nice. So, d- d- what about do you get over to DC as well? Then, with it being so close, is there a lot more oh, going man. on there? Rebecca, listen, I was in DC like three weeks in a row last month. <laughs> right. I couldn't stay out of DC last month, man. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I performed in DC uh, like two or three times recently. But I'm also a writer, so I go down there and I, you know, I I, I do um I do show reviews. Like I did a Wale show review. I was at the Washington Post and I did a review of uh what's her name? Uh, Odd Mojo. No, is it Odd Mojo? I don't know. I think it's called. I think her name is Odd Mojo. Yeah, and one slice. You know, so yeah. Um, right. How have you, I wanted to ask about your singing cause your singing voice is really interesting and really nice to listen to. Have you, is, oh, have you, uh, is it something that you've worked on over time? Like how have you honed it or is it just a natural thing that, you know, comes to you? Uh, yeah. So actually I was an opera singer before any of this had even began. Um, I'm classically trained to sing in, uh, German, Italian, Spanish, and French, and Old English, but I never really delved too deeply into Old English. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah, so I was trained at the Peabody Institute, at uh, Carver Center for the Arts, and at the Washington National Opera, and I even had written, uh, I'd even had written the story plot and, the, and some of the music in an opera called Industrial Love, which was performed at the Lyric Opera House of Baltimore. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> So, and then obviously then you just branched away and crafted your own you know, style. Yeah. Uh, my uh, instructor at Peabody, Ms. Carol Cavi-Miles, who I give uh, so much credit to for honing in on my voice and really progressing my voice to where it is today. Uh, she really just, she was the epitome of someone who was into technique, you know, like yeah. she was, she was, she was just so big on technique and just learning about your physical body and how to use it to your advantage to be just a better singer. And, uh, even though I sing a different type of music and I write a different type of music now, that technique still plays a huge part in my, uh, in, in my vocal ability and in the way I sing today. Okay. So it stayed with you throughout everything. Oh, it has to. I mean, it's just, it's just, it was just, it's installed in you because you, because you did it for hours and hours and hours a week, you know? What is it? Like breathing so, uh, techniques and... Breathing techniques, learning about your soft palate, your hard palate, your diaphragm, how to stand. You I know, was just understanding you know, like, how the voice works and, and, and how to use it. The voice, the body, um, even the mental, you know, I mean... <laughs> she was real big on meditation you know we didn't we didn't necessarily meditate every saturday or meditate on thursday but she was real big on meditation and i was really it really kind of helped me to just even calm down when it came to like performances and just came to learn a song and then realizing that yeah you can learn a song in a week you know or you can have this down in this amount of time so really just a holistic um process of being an artist and being a performer so has that had a knock-on effect on like your confidence then now as a you know as a stage performer? As a stage performer, um, do you ever struggle with? Oh, do I do I struggle with my confidence with as a stage performer? Yeah. You know what? It's so funny. Um, I used to, but then I did musical theater, right? And Rebecca, you know, like musical theater takes a lot of a lot of exuberance and a lot of enthusiasm and a yeah, lot of, of like having to put yourself out there. And if you don't, people are gonna be like, "This guy's is terrible," <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's musical theater, and this guy's boring. So, when I started doing musical theater, and thanks, thank you, Miss Carol Kevy Miles again. Um, she gave me this song called "She Loves Me" from the from the musical "She Loves Me," and we had a master class with this woman from from Broadway, and I really can't remember her name. I forgive me, whoever whoever it is, I can't remember her name. And she came in and, and I got on stage and I was being all technical and whatnot, right? And then she said, take your suit off. I said, what? <laughs> so, so she comes over and she makes me take my suit jacket off, right? She's like, throw it to the side. So I took my suit jacket and I threw it to the side. <laughs> and I felt embarrassed, right? I felt embarrassed. But this moment really broke the ice for me as a stage performer. Like, yo, you can really go out here and have a good time because the audience wants to see you have a good time, you know? 
So from that moment and from that masterclass, everything had changed for me. And really my nervousness as a performer had gone down so much. I mean, I still get nervous before a show. But now I realize that, hey, man, it's, it's my stage. It's my time. Let's go out here and, and, and just have a good time. So, you know, um, as a performer, man, I have a show like this Saturday. And it's one of my biggest shows of my life. It's in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Or Lancaster, oh, yeah, I saw. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just, I, I feel no nerves about it because I know people are there to see me. People are there to see the band. And, you know, I, I practice enough and perfect preparation prevents poor performance. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I, you it. know, it's all good. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I saw that uh, that one's coming up. So you're playing with a full band? F- yes, ma'am. Um, Mumar Muhammad, one of the greatest guitarists I met in my life. And Robert Wooden III, he's a... Um, a drummer, and he's just crazy talented too. He's just a heck of a musical mind, more so than anything, you know. Yeah. Are you gonna play exclusively originals, or will you mix it up a little bit? Yeah, like I really don't do I don't do covers, honestly. I really don't. Okay. I've actually never I've never done a cover in my life. When it comes to oh, wow. like, my shows, yeah. Uh, maybe I, actually, let me stop. I I did "Isn't She Lovely" by Stevie Wonder one time during a Halloween okay. show. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. That one's my three. Yeah. Okay, cool. And will you be like live streaming it? Will there be any footage of it afterwards that people can check out? There will definitely be footage. Lukey Lenz will be, uh, he'll record it, obviously, and make like a video. He might do like a vlog type thing. Those are always fun. Um, okay. But it won't be live streaming. I mean, I might, I don't know. I might live stream it on Facebook. People have been asking me too, so I might. Yeah. I might, yeah. Okay, um, so if we talk about branching out a little bit then, if, uh, would you just tell us a little bit about what Swano is and how you started it and, and what it represents? Yeah, so Swano was a, and it's funny because a lot of people, some people don't really pronounce it right on the first go. <laughs> some people say Swano. Yeah. yeah, to be honest, I thought it was Swano and then I, I listened to um, a podcast that you put on recently and heard you pronounce it, so I cheated a little bit. <laughs> oh, okay, no problem, no problem. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Sueno was an ad lib that I used in my music. Um, and one day my dad was like, yo, let's take it from just an ad lib to like a concept because it had no meaning behind it. And there was no, there was no word Sueno in the English language either. Right. So I was like, okay, this is something I'm just, just saying, you know? So I have no idea where it came from. I don't know what made me start saying it. It was almost like some kind of uh, like out-of-body experience I was having in the middle of one of my songs that was actually never released. This is like an unreleased song I never released. Um, so I was like, yo, I was kind of grasping what I hold myself around, what's important to me, and what I kind of want my music to be about. And I realized it came down to idealism, virtuosity, and progression. So. Swano man, the word itself and the symbol itself is not that important. It's what surrounds it. And like, like I'll say again, progression, virtuosity, and idealism. And basically, it's kind of like uh, that word and that sound and all the clothes. When you're wearing that, it's like you're, you're encompassing all, all those things, all three of those things. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's basically, Swano isn't just a line. It's merch for that lifestyle if that makes sense okay yeah definitely you know yeah it's 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 merchandise for that lifestyle and it just shows that you're a part of the community and that you know you you also follow that way of life you know to to always be progressive and to always have something in your back pocket and always be uh, idealistic you know yeah sure yeah so you you're also doing like a little bit of obviously you could do the live show reviews at the minute is that are you doing that under the swano brand or are you just doing that individually or for various publications the live show reviews yeah so i'm doing that for um the baltimore times but honestly it's swano and the baltimore times just partnered with us you know okay um but i'm still but i'm not like an employee of the baltimore times you know what i mean yeah, it's yeah. just that we, just like yeah, we partnered exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm still very much so a freelancer. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. Um. So how important do you think uh, networking is at the moment in the music industry and 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 sort of being involved in a little bit of everything to how important build is a networking? career for yourself? 
Yeah. Oh my, it's everything. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, networking is everything, man. I mean, listen, I might be doing coverage for the Travis Scott show on Thursday, right? And well, all my friends were like, yo, how did you, how did you get this opportunity? Well, I find out tomorrow if we're actually doing coverage or not, right? But it's up in the air. But how did I get the opportunity to possibly cover the Travis Scott show? Um, so this is how the whole line of things got started, right? And this is how let me this is how important networking is. And people have to understand that sometimes networking takes time. Like, like one, do you know like the whole six uh six degrees of separation? Are you familiar separation. with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Course, yeah. So, like, you know, knowing one person might not be the exact connect, but it's the person that they know and the person they know, right? So, two years ago, three years ago now, I like, okay, two and a half years ago, I released this project that was never released. I only had hard copies of it. It's not online or anything. It was called Consciously Oblivious. I had walked up to the Baltimore Times, right? I literally walked up to the Baltimore Times door. <laughs> I waited for the entertainment writer at the time to leave, uh, to, to, to leave work. I waited like an hour and a half outside. I'm surprised I didn't get in trouble for this or anything with security, but <laughs> I waited an hour and a half outside and I gave the guy my CD and he calls me and he says, yo, I like this, this and that, this and that. I want to write about it. He never writes about it. And that, that's okay. That's fine. He never writes about it. Mm. Fast forward a year later, a year later now, I connect with the Baltimore Times myself because of the guy that I knew. And from then, from there, they hired me and they didn't hire me, but they partnered with Swano Down. And then from yeah. there, they connected me with the venue and now I'm possibly doing coverage for the Travis Scott show. So it took four different, I think three or four, whatever, three to four different connections for me to get to one point. But, you know, you have to always constantly knock down doors because the second time I went to the Baltimore Times, I rang on the, the intercom bell or whatever, and they literally told me to leave because I didn't have an appointment, you know? Yeah. So I was just like, okay, that's fair. You know what I mean? So networking is highly important because if you're not networking, you're really not, because nine times out of 10, you're not going to just explode because you just have right. great material, you know? But a lot of it people happens. don't understand that. I think that's a common, you know, more common than you think. A lot of people tend to think that they can write this amazing thing and, and just sit at home and, you know, and it'll just magically kind of find its way to everybody's living rooms, um, which just isn't, isn't the case, unfortunately. I think Henry David Thoreau said, if I'm not mistaken, I think he said the sharpest pen. I'm sorry. The dullest pen is, is, is better than the sharpest mind. And I say that to say this, like, you know, actually physically writing is like symbolic of physically putting in the work. You know what I mean? Mm. And you can have the sharpest mind, which can be metaphorical for you having great material and great creativity. But who else has amazing creativity out there? You know what I mean? I mean, it's so much music out here and there's so many talented people, but it has to be something that separates us, right? So the thing that I think uh, creates that separation really is the who you know and sometimes you have to create the people that you know like people always say it's not about what, what what's the expression rebecca it's not about what you know is who you know is that what it is so you know yeah 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 and sometimes people feel like well i don't know anybody and some people have an advantage over me but i don't really believe in that man like i, I didn't really intrinsically just know people when i started this thing i had to i had to create my own environment i had to create my own team i had to create uh, the people who can lead me to another place. And how do I do that? Constantly knocking down doors, constantly doing research, sending uh, 200 emails, only getting two replies. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's yeah, just absolutely. like, you know, yeah. Constantly so it ties in knocking with the confidence thing as well. I'm sorry? It ties in with the confidence thing as well. Like, uh, you know, constantly having that drive to just keep going and keep going and knowing that yeah. it might be 100 emails down the line that someone actually gets back. But... I, you know, I just believing th- I that think, it will. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think the big thing is, honestly, Rebecca, is like the biggest thing out of the whole thing is like understanding that at the end of the tunnel, there really is something. And that's like, that's the hardest thing to kind of wrap around your head. Like, if, if you just look at everything in the present and just look at the means and not think about the end, I try to keep my head off of the, uh, off of the means. Like, 
if I think about the present all the time and not the future, I would I would quit. I mean, it would be, if I thought about, okay, this is where I am right now, I would quit because I, I don't see an end goal. I don't really see a, a real end. But if you have your mindset on a, on a legitimate end and you really see it and you know the, the, the steps to take and you know that this can happen and this can happen and this can happen, if I do it this way, it's bound to just break, then I think it becomes a lot easier. And I think the time that you put into it and what you put into it and the money you put into it, uh, you do it a lot more freely because you know there's really an end game, you know? So, yeah, I don't know, man. I think last yeah. month I put 70% of the money I made back into my career and the rest I spent at Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. It's a good balance. Yeah, you know. Awesome. Okay, so... Obviously, the first time that we connected was when you started writing a few reviews for us. Um, and if I remember actually, right, believe you did it or not, bit... believe it or not, you guys actually wrote an article about me like a year before I even connected with you. I'm just, no, you're absolutely right. Sorry about that. I totally forgot. We did. Yeah, yeah. What was the what was, was the release? Consistency. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just like I was just having a quick search. So yeah, my apologies. It was. How did you stumble upon us then? Oh, I found I was looking for different reviews to do online and whatnot, like looking for people to submit music into. And uh, um, that's right. yeah, I came across a lot of places that looked OK, but I really looked at the writing that you guys do. And uh, I was like, wow, I kind of like the detail and kind of even the feedback that they give. You know, I just decided to submit to you all. So what what appealed about writing reviews to you then later on? Like me, myself writing reviews? Yeah, yeah. Um. You know, I forgot. You know, it's kind of funny. We were talking the whole time. I was like, wow, I really did write reviews for you guys. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it's funny because the writing I did for you guys, like, got me opportunities with other things as well, which was, like, so cool. And I, like, when I was interviewed by, cause so the Barmer Times had written about me introducing me to their audience, right? And yeah. I, had, um, I had mentioned you guys and I had thanked you guys for giving me a platform to expand myself as a writer because you allowed me to really uh branch out to other places uh when it came to writing and just other musical things so um yeah but what what had me starting reviews was uh i'm a huge fan of like podcast and i'm a huge fan of like complex you know the media outlet and i always said to myself wow man a lot of these people that are on here that have this platform to critique they've never done music themselves or if they do they like now they're not musicians you know yeah exactly so i said well if these guys who are, aren't actually inside of the art can do this reviews thing then why can't i <laughs> and on top of that my father you know my father's an english professor so he's always really been into writing and he kind of inspired me too a little bit like you know well he actually my dad grades papers for a living (laughs) right essays so i was like man let me give this thing a try you know so i had written two jazz reviews already for um uh this course i was taking for music industry in pennsylvania and i'd written these these jazz reviews and i got pretty good um pretty good feedback and comments on the jazz reviews that i did yeah and uh actually i think that's what you it is what i sent you guys exactly yeah Yeah, i sent you guys the jazz reviews exactly it is and um yeah from there i just i just got going and hopefully the artists i wrote about amazing yeah yeah but the thing is like i for the same reasons that you just described that you were interested in that was the reason that i wanted to get some musicians writing because i'm a musician and the whole reason i set it up was from a musician's perspective um rather than just i guess a random critic um so it was interesting to get people writing who are maybe from a particular genre maybe r&b or hip-hop or even metal you know and get them to listen to other types of music and try and hear the the qualities in that and see if it changes your perspective a little bit creatively yeah i think um which brings me to my my next question do you think that it does have an effect on the way that you listen to music when you're listening to analyze it i guess no doubt i was (laughs) no doubt i was being interviewed like and i was interviewing someone else a month ago and somehow it turned into them interviewing me at one point and uh he's a broadcaster he's he's an interview he's, he's a radio guy and he was saying how he 
he will watch other interviews and he'll like dissect it too much instead of just enjoying it. And yeah, when it comes to music, I'm really big on the engineering side of music. Oh my goodness, Rebecca. Listen, I'm huge on engineering, man. Like when I listen to music, I'm like, okay, how much EQ do they put on this? How much bass and trebles in the yeah. voice? Like that's even more so than the music and the lyrics itself. So uh, I'm huge on engineering. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think I'm so big on it because one of my, one thing I could never figure out when I first started was like, yo, the music sounds cool. The, the track sounds cool. The instruments sound cool. All that. But your engineering just sucks, bro. Mm. This is me talking to myself, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I would try everything and I would turn things down. So what I started doing was I just started listening to mainstream music. You know, the stuff that's, the stuff that the record labels are behind and put and pay thousands of dollars for, you know, to their engineers. To make sure it's crisp and, and clean and, and yeah. Exactly. And when I would, I would, I'm not gonna give too many secrets out here, but I'm just kind of giving like an overview, like, and I would listen, listen, listen. And one person I listened to, believe it or not, regardless of what you think of his music or his image or anything, was like Little Uzi Vert's production team is ridiculously clean. And I was listening and listening and listening to his sound. And I was like, yo, how do we create this engineering style in my music, right? So I spent like, this is no joke, man. Anybody in my house could tell you, I spent a week of doing nothing but just sitting in my room sitting in the car with headphones on, listening to Uzi's music. And not from a standpoint of, of entertainment, but from a standpoint of technicality. And uh, I figured out the sound. So I'll just, I just, just let it go. I'll just, I'll just say it. So I couldn't figure out like why my sound didn't sound like it was, it was like bouncing. It sounded too dry, right? And I was like, well, I have reverb on it. Uh, I was trying to use echo and the echo wasn't really working. That sounded weird. So I was like, what is it that Uzi has? And I was listening so deeply and I realized Uzi has like a, like a, like a very quiet and really subtle, like layer of delayed vocals. And the only way I I figured this out was just literally from listening to it. And I went back to my music and I started putting like a lower layer of like delayed vocals into it. And it completely, completely changed my sound. And um, it's funny, when I started getting the engineering style, that's when my music started to pick up a lot more traction and started to sound a lot more professional. So, you know. Yeah. yeah Seems yeah. like a, such a simple thing, but uh, obviously makes <sighs> That's the craziest difference. part. It's like I spent six years trying to engineer and it's something <laughs> that simple. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I've not listened to uh, much of his music, to be honest. I'll have to go and uh, check it out. Yeah, real, real unique dude, man. Very unique. Very unique sound. So do you think you'd ever go into the field of just producing for other people, for other artists? Wow. I just had this conversation the other day, really. You know, I think I could right now, actually, if I wanted to uh, engineer. I feel like I can make a real decent living off engineering because I still do it from time to time on the side. But that's just not where my yeah. heart lays right now. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. and, Fair enough. And I feel like it could be, I feel like I could easily say, yo, this is what I want to do engineer you know an engineer literally for a living um because when i do it from time to time on the side you know it's it's it's, it's a good time you know and everybody and everybody enjoys yeah. the product they get back um but my heart really doesn't doesn't lay there right now you know so okay yeah um so do you generally mix it up genre wise when you go out to shows or like the ones that you're reviewing um at the minute or do you tend to stick with a certain style of music? This is me as a, as a reviewer, right? You as a reviewer, but also as a music fan, I guess. Okay. Oh, um, yeah. So currently, uh, and this is just happens to be what it is so far. Currently, I've only reviewed, let's see, a Wale show. So basically, it's just been hip hop so far, honestly. And I think mainly because I'm trying to reach this younger crowd right now, because like our demographic at, at our, our demographic at the paper right now is like, um, it's like 45 to 60, right? Which is cool, you know, which is, which is all right, you know? Um, but when they partnered with us, they were like, yo, we want you to hit the, reach the younger crowd. And you know, what's, yeah. what, what do younger kids love more right now than hip hop? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, uh, hip hop's huge at the minute. Yeah, yeah hip hop is huge right now, and I think it's the number one genre in the U.S. Um, so yeah, I've just been doing hip hop stuff, but honestly, I really wanted to see, I wanted to review a David Byrne show 
that I thought was coming here in Baltimore, but I completely had my dates messed up. But I think I'm going to go see David Byrne in like January. that you would advise to like up and coming musicians if they want to start building a career and get to this you say that you're at the mid kind of point or the teenage stage um <laughs> like what advice would you give to to the to the bedroom artists that haven't quite made it any further out yeah so you have to one thing i think that we miss as artists is not just the hard work aspect of things but the studying of music itself and the studying of what you want to do um for example when i just gave the uzi thing and the engineering thing you know i stopped just creating music and i and i started to study music and i started to figure out what is this sound you know what are they doing that's yeah. different and also i started to see and read up on what other artists did to get to the point in which they're at but i'm talking about deep deep reading i'm talking about yeah. Going to Wikipedia, reading, hitting the reference, 
and then just diving in from there and just finding other references and other things. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with Brent Fayez from the group Sonder. Uh, no, I don't think so. So Brent is a guy who just, <laughs> he's a guy, man, who lived like 25 minutes from me, who I, who I never really paid too much attention to. And now he's just kind of blown up. He has one song, like 80 million views um, on YouTube. And, you know, he's touring, doing this and that, this and that. And. I'm sorry. I, I know the group Sonder. I just didn't realize that. Uh, oh, yeah. The least singer is Brent Faye. Right. That, that, yeah. That, okay, cool. So he did something called a So Far Sounds. And it's so, he did, you know, So Far Sounds in L.A. I think So Far Sounds started in London, right? Yeah, it's huge over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Really and good. I'm doing one in Florida in like like next month on the eighth. So Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so I'm watching the Brent video and I'm like, yo, this has so many views. What is this? Like, like how can I become a part of this? So, you know, I did my research and I got denied many, 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 many times over the last year. And thank God, you know, things have just started to come through for me last five or six months. And now I'm doing so far. But, you know, but why am I doing so far now, Rebecca? Because I didn't just watch Brent as a, for entertainment. I didn't just watch him, you know, in awe that the fact that this guy used to live 20 minutes from me. I was watching him with purpose. Yeah. And I was studying him with purpose. So, you know, I would tell young artists, man, listen, your favorite artists, study them. Study how they lived, how they got where they got. Look at the platforms that they connected with. Because honestly, some of the platforms aren't as hard to connect with as you think. And some of them are as hard as you think. And then, you know, you just got to go around. You got to go about the right way to get yourself to that level. So, you know, I would just tell young artists to really do a lot of studying. 100%. So, so hang on, let's back up a little bit. So you saw him do a sofa sound and then you applied to them. Is that what you're saying? A couple of times and they didn't get back to you. I applied to so far sounds like I, I think I applied to like if you combine all of the cities and combine how many times I applied, I think I've maybe like 400 something submissions. And wow. um, yeah, I was denied. But looking back at it, I was mad at the time. But now fast forward, looking at my life, my music wasn't as good. And my performances weren't as good as they are now. So you're in a way, way better position now to put out something. Exactly. With them. So I waited another yeah. eight months and I reapplied eight months later. And then I got into like, I got replies back from like 10 different cities. And I applied to way less cities this time. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. That's really inspiring. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And important. Yeah. And, and, and I think a lot, a lot of people just would get the knockback or would be ignored and they would be like, oh, that's it. You know, that's yeah. kind of game over. And they would give up. Yeah. They would say, forget it. That's really cool. You know, and, yeah, and, exactly. and, and that's the censored way to say it. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So when, what's the date that you're doing that? I'm doing So Far Sounds on December 8th in Tampa Bay. December 8th? Yeah, okay. December 8th, yeah. Well, it's in awesome. St. Petersburg, and but you know, it's, it's like, it's Tampa though. It's the Tampa branch. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, who do you currently admire in the mainstream world then? Um, and yeah, we'll just start with that, with that question. In the mainstream world, who do I admire? Wow, that's tough. Um... In, in the mainstream world. And we're talking about like right now, right? Yeah, like, you know, the, the, the sort current of... mainstream got you. Um, yeah, this, this year. I would say probably Daniel Caesar, man, because Daniel Caesar kind of has a background of, of being trained as well. And uh, it's funny, I just learned that his first two tour stops were in uh, Baltimore in Silver Spring, which is right outside DC, but it's still in Maryland. Um, so you and he, 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 yeah, I didn't, I didn't go. <laughs> oh, right. uh, yeah, it passed already. Oh, so okay, okay. He has a, a beautiful voice. He understands music from a standpoint of technicality because you can tell by the way he sings. He sounds great over guitar. He plays guitar, and I think the guy is just, is just an overall, just great musician. And yeah, he's natural. And after Daniel, I would have to say, I admire Frank as well. Um, Frank Ocean. Um, okay. Frank is just his last album, Blonde, just really put him on another level for me. Uh, I wasn't a huge Frank fan at all. I really wasn't. I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I was not a huge Frank fan at all, man. If anything, I think I kind of disliked Frank's music for a little while. 
But now it's now it's the complete opposite. Uh, well, you know, he his album. I'm sorry. No, no. I was I was just gonna say, what did you just? What made you want to listen to this album then? If you weren't a fan, because Luke, my friend Luke, man, like I said, the 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 video guy, he yeah. started playing some Frank stuff, and I'm listening, like, hmm, this isn't this isn't bad. This is actually this is actually all right. So when Blonde came out, I'm just like, yo, let's let's go, let's give it a shot. And I listened to the whole album like like four times, straight up and down. And I said, yo, this guy barely had any drums on this album. This guy barely had any commercial type of sounds. And he, he basically barely had any sort of commercial lyricism or anything that people really want to hear. And it's just beautiful, beautiful music. And I, I admired that. And, and, and really, being a guy who works so closely with a guitarist, uh, hearing how he used guitar on the album really was like, yo, it made me musically closer to my guitarist, man. I was like, yo, if this is what a vocalist and a guitarist can do, like, it inspired me to kind of like just take our situation to the next level. Yeah. So I'll say Frank, Frank Ocean and Daniel Caesar. Okay. Do you, are you, and do you play any instruments? I play the saxophone and the piano. Yep. You play the saxophone. That's incredible. Yeah. Actually, all my song consistency is actually me on the saxophone. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. Are you, would you take that any further and like lead your song with it? Or would it always just be a thing that featured? Yeah, you know, my, my, all my buddies want me, all my buddies want me to pull out the sax on Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> in of Lancaster. course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, but we perform like a, like, like, like a rock show, even though the music is not rock, it's like R&B-ish. But we perform like, like it's, like it's rock. It, if you've seen our, if you ever, I don't know for anyone who's ever watched any of our performances, you, you know what I mean. But, um. I don't know if I'd have the 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 win capacity for that, the stamina to even play and then perform the way I do. But to answer your question, I actually made a small little EP on the saxophone. I just never released it. It's called Boulder's Blood. That's cool. How why, how did you end up playing saxophone? How did that even come into your life? Um, yeah, I started playing the sax, man, uh, because I wanted to play the trumpet. And yeah. uh, everybody, we had a class where we were supposed to learn about different instruments, and I wanted to play a trumpet because. Miles Davis is my number one, number one musical influence in the world. Okay. And I dropped my mouthpiece. <laughs> and I don't know, man. I'll never forgive this teacher for this. I'm not even going to say her name. But she told me some nonsense like, you know, you drop the mouthpiece and we need some kind of special material to clean it and you can't play the trumpet now. So the whole trumpet thing oh. kind of got thrown out the window. Now, if, if this was, if, if I was the same person now as I was back then, I would have definitely fought that and I definitely would have played the trumpet. Yeah. But I didn't. So I said, well, let's, let's try the saxophone. Why not? So I tried the saxophone a year later at the age of 10. This was kind of like my redemption, you know? <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I started playing the sax, man. I just started to, I started to really enjoy jazz because my dad always played a lot of miles around me, uh, you know, kind of okay. blue, tutu. Um, so he always played a lot of miles around me. So I, I really got into the jazz. And, you know, saxophone was one of the most prominent instruments in jazz. So yeah, I just kind of sure. stuck with it. You know, I started when I was like 10 and I, and I just turned 20 like three weeks ago. So that's really cool. That's a nice like angle. I guess you don't want to utilize it too much as this quirky thing, but it's definitely. A nice I touch. don't. I do not. <laughs> Rebecca, you're right, because that's that's funny. I did an interview for this thing called the Songster Series, which is like um, it's actually it won Baltimore Magazine Concert of the Year. And he wanted me to bring the sax to the show. But I feel like if I'm trying to establish myself with a certain image, I don't want people to be yeah. like, oh, yeah, you mind WJ Wright, the guy that plays the sax. It's the like, sax yeah, guy, yeah, the sax guy, yeah, but not really, <laughs> you know? That's fair enough. Yeah. What was the other instrument that you said you played? Oh, the piano, the piano. Oh, the piano. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking, for, listen, last year when we performed, we had like a, uh, in October we performed every week of October last year, and I played the piano for every one of those shows. And it was because things were a lot more laid back, I guess. And my music just kind of allowed me to play the piano and kind of chill out on stage. Um, and my movement, my movement wasn't as, as back and forth as it is now in my performance style. But I would love to bring the piano back on stage sometime soon. You know, I might do it for So Far Sounds, I'm thinking. I don't know yet. But... Um, okay. 
So yeah. you, the, the show that you're going to do on Saturday is going to be like an energetic thing. I oh my goodness, Rebecca, it's, it's, it's going to be a party. Okay, and what's the it's contrast going to be when you do the So Far Sounds? Are you going to be sat down? Is it going to be like an acoustic setting? Yeah, you know, the So Far is going to be... I, listen, the So Far is going to be a lot more chill. It's going to be, you know... Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot more chill, I guess. Yeah, 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 more... I mean, I, it's not going to be me going back and forth, you know? No, of course. What Do you think you have a preference out of those two types of gig? Do I have a preference? Yeah, do you think you prefer like the energetic style or do you like the intimate kind of one where you can see everybody's faces and you can interact with them and stuff? Honestly, you know, I really like and this is not to be funny, but like all my my all my band members know it like my catchphrase on stage is, you know, keep it sexy. Like I always tell them that. I'm always whispering that to them, like tell them <laughs> that like yo keep it sexy, man. Like so really, I love intimate I mean, it, you know, I mean, when I have to do a show like like SOBs in New York, when it's like, you know, a good amount of people there and people screaming and drinking and having a good time. Like, I love that type of vibe. But me and Moo and Moo's, you know, like I said, the guitarist, yeah. when we do like intimate type of things, it's just a whole different type of feeling. And it's just a, a beautiful, just tranquil and uh, just artistic vibe that comes from intimate performances. Yeah. So for me. On a personal level, I love intimate performances um, more so than. It's not even more so. Let me just say this: it's a different type of feel. No, I know. I just I happen to, mean. you know what I mean. I just happen to love that feel that comes from, uh, yeah, intimate shows. Yeah, it's important to be versatile and to be able to do both. But it's also nice to. It's nice that you slightly prefer that because a lot of people are just like, no, I want the huge crowd. You know, I want it to be noisy and uh. Um, yeah, it's a different kind yeah. of artistry. Which, you know, that, that, it's cool sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I'm sure that I'm sure. Yeah, yeah but no, that's nice. Um, okay, well, what do you what, prefer? Um, it's a tricky one. I've not really. I've only ever performed just solo with a guitar, really. So I like the the intimate thing because you can kind of, you know, you can speak to everybody that's there in between, and you can communicate a little bit better. Um, but on the bigger stages that I've said on also, that's a completely different kind of feeling. So I don't know. Yeah. Similar answer to you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask what was the best album that you'd heard this year, but is it, would you say the Frank one? Um, it's funny. The Frank one came out in 2016, but it's been on the Billboard 200 for who knows how long. Um, oh, okay. Let's see. The best album listened to this year, man. Oh, gosh. Wow. You know, I, I haven't really heard any entire projects this year that have caught my attention. I mean, you know, Astroworld was okay as an as a project, but it had a lot of great singles. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Drake album, you know, that was that was pretty that was pretty cool. As a project, it was all right, but it had some really great singles on it. Um, so I haven't really heard any amazing albums this year. Uh, I guess the Daniel Caesar album that came out last year that's that's pretty hot. That's pretty hot. Um, yeah. How do you, what pretty, do you, yeah. how do you go about what you listen to then when you're out? Like, you know, just do you have Spotify playlists or do you have, how do you choose what to listen to just for fun? Um, just for fun. Um, I mean, I love trap. That's a secret. I love trap music, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't write about trap, obviously. Um, I don't really go to a lot of trap shows. But just kind of like my little alter ego, you know, I just, I just really love trap, man. So I listen to a lot of Juice World, Future, Lil Baby, Gunna, you know, all those, all those guys. Yeah. You know, and it's, it just kind of keeps me hyped. Like, like, for example, I'm doing a TED Talk on the art of writing in two weeks, right? And, like, what's doing keeping a me... a TED Talk. Yeah, You're I'm doing busy. a TED Talk, yeah. Ah, <laughs> tell me about it. I'm distressed. <laughs> you like, don't I'm, sound stressed. Thank you. You it's sound like, like you're handling it really well. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm glad it comes off that way. Uh, <laughs> because I'm like in the middle of, all right, so I got the TED Talk to prepare for in 10 days. And then I have a show in five days. So it's like, you know, it's just balancing time, you Trying know? Trying to balance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sure. uh, Sorry, go on. No, nah, no problem. So... Yeah, for the whole TED man, it's like I, I I practice my TED. I'm writing my TED talk, and then I listen to some <laughs> some Juice World in future. You know what I mean? So okay, yeah. It, it just kind of keeps me hyped during the day. You know, it keeps me energized. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. What's what's your TED talk going to be on again? Sorry. 
uh, erasing the myths of writing. So it's okay. it's uh you know, I mean I'll see you in the link when it comes out. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's going no, to hone sure. in. Yeah, it's going to hone in on different different secrets uh, to writing and whatnot. And there's a little, it's going to be a little. I am not. It's going to be a little twist in there, but, but you'll see it. Yeah. No, well, this was the thing that I liked about your reviews was that you're not just your perspective, but that your writing style is. I don't know. It, it surprised me how eloquent you were i guess in sent you know there were these long form lines in the articles and if i would have reviewed the same song i would never have been able to word it like that or you know i wouldn't even think to say that but then reading you say it was it just was like oh of course yeah that's absolutely the perfect way of describing that moment in that that song and i really liked that about your articles and the stuff that i'd read you know that you've done since um so i'd definitely be interested in hearing your ted talk about that for sure Wow. Yeah, that means a lot to me, honestly. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that really Yeah, that means a lot to me, really. That's that's actually even crazy to hear. Oh, good. No, no, yeah. it's absolutely it's true. It it's just nice. Yeah, it's nice obviously reading other people's writing and the way that they um address it, but particularly with the ones that you did because I think I sent you a couple that probably weren't your kind of your kind of thing as well, if I remember right. You know what's so funny? Honestly, um, every song you you sent me, which is so funny, uh every song you sent me, I've actually I still listen to some of them to this day uh especially like the especially the rock ones um i think that's a song by judas that was really really dope um yeah yeah that judas song was crazy dope man uh that's awesome and um ah one more man was it was like a video and a guy's like on the he's like walking to the ocean or something and i don't know most of the songs i really really enjoyed honestly I'm not saying I, I, I dislike really any of the cool. songs, but some of them I still listen to right now. Yeah. No, that's really cool. No, I definitely, well, I guess wait till you're a bit less busy, but it'd be cool for you to write something else for us yeah, at de- some point. Definitely. Um, so you've got loads of stuff coming up, I guess. What's, have you got a plan for throughout 2019 or do you not operate in that way? You, uh, just you know, flow? I, I, I always, I always work in like a six month plan, you know. Um, and sometimes the people in my crew don't always see it that far ahead, <laughs> but I guess that's my job, right? So yeah, I'm hoping to do South. We're hoping to do South by Southwest in Texas in March. Um, and by that time, how do you go about? Oh, you have to apply for it for, for any artist that want to try to do it. You have to apply for it. I think they get 7,000 submissions a year. So, right. And you what? Send a live video, live video recording. Webs- I can't even remember Rebecca at this point. I know it costs fifty five dollars. I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> oh wow! Live video recording. Um, you have to write. Actually, it's kind of it's almost like a doggone college, uh, like a university essay, man. Like, um, you have to write when you go to South by Southwest. What are you looking to accomplish? What kind of people are you looking to meet? Like, you have to really give your oh, wow. explanation of why you want to be there and how you will use it in the future. Um, and, you know, it's really it's really an intricate. That's quite nice. Yeah, it gets it gets you thinking about that. Yeah, it's it's really an intricate and detailed application process. Have I would you say, been to I'm South sorry. by Southwest? Have I ever sorry, been? Sorry, is yeah. I've never been, but I'm in some called Grammy U, which are like uh, some of the top uh, you know artists in the U.S. that they take for like the Grammy committee, whatever. And um, right. they invited me to go last year by this. I didn't go. It was only, they only give one ticket. I'm just like I'm not going to a music festival by myself. That's weird. You know what I mean? Like, okay, <laughs> you know. Oh, okay, fair enough. Well, yeah. hopefully you get to play it. Hopefully that'll be a great time. They have something called the Artist Village, which sounds like the Olympics, right? Well, that's that, that's kind of what they're trying to like mirror. You know what I mean? Like the Artist yeah. Village, the Olympic Village, and all that type of thing. I'm really looking forward to that because uh, I don't know. It just seems like a lot of fun. And then they have something called the Artist Village After Dark. And I'm just like, hmm, what is that about? <laughs> you know, what, what is the Artist Village After Dark? You know, what, what, what does that entail? So, yeah, yeah it, should be, it should be a good time. Amazing. Um, awesome. No, it's been really nice chatting with you, actually. Um, I think you're obviously one of the hardest working independent artists at the moment. I'm really inspired by everything that you're doing. But it's also nice you're very positive you know you're very uh obviously you say that you're, you're, you're stressed at the moment but it doesn't come through you come through as quite you know just this uh bubbly and kind of energetic thank you kind of person which is really nice it's really good um i hope everything goes well i'm looking forward to seeing your ted talk and 
and the show from this Saturday and the So Far Sounds, if any of that ends up online at some point. Thank you. I, I, was, look, I was looking forward to hearing your accent. I really was. <laughs> How did it play out? <laughs> you know, if, if, you know I, 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 I talk to a lot of people from iLive Radio, and they're based in the UK. And, um, you know, I'm always yeah. talking to them down there. So, it, you know, it, it came out how I thought it would. <laughs> Whereabouts are they? Are they in London? Yeah, they're in, the U- yeah, they're in London. Yep. Oh, right, my, you okay. don't know about iLive Radio? I'm from Manchester. I'm so- um, no, I don't think so. Oh, you need to connect I-Live. with them, Rebecca. Seriously. Like, oh, my God. Seriously. I think you guys can come up with, like, some kind of, like, collaborative thing. Like, I can see it. Like, I have a vision. Like, listen, you guys are really, really independent artists. Like, yeah. Oh my God, Matt. I'm gonna tell somebody. I'm gonna tell people about you. Actually, like legitimately, I think okay, you really cool. need to Thank know about you. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That would be good. You could hook us up. Yeah. Um, we'll get something going. Amazing. Is there anything else you want to say or let people know about? Or? Uh, I'm hoping to be in the UK like next spring, next summer, sometime doing a show down there. Ah, nice. Yeah. So. Okay. Just the one or a little tour? Uh, no. Nah, it would just be like one. Just like one show. But we'll see. <laughs> you know what I mean? We'll see. Yeah, for um, sure. I'm pretty sure it'll be like it'll be like oh. near Birmingham. So Okay. Um, yeah, mostly because that's where my quote unquote fans are. I can't stand using that word, but that's where my listeners are, I should say. No, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, easy enough to get to. Yeah. That's cool. Awesome. Well, I have an amazing show on Saturday anyway. And uh thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat. Thank you. It was a great time talking to you.